0: Hello and welcome back to New Books in German Studies. My name is Ryan Stackos, and today we'll be talking to Robert Jan Adriensen. Robert Jan is an assistant professor of history at Erasmus University Rotterdam and the author of The Rhythm of Eternity: The German Youth Movement and the Experience of the Past, 1900 to 1933. The Rhythm of Eternity was published in 2015 by Berghahn Books and contains important insight for anyone with an interest in the broader social implications of historical thought. Robert-Jan Adriansen has been so good as to join us for a closer look at the book today. So without further ado, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Ryan. Uh, Thank you for having me. Well, first things first, tell us a bit about yourself. What's your background? Where do you come from?
1: Well, as you mentioned, uh, I'm uh, currently employed at uh, Erasmus University in Rotterdam, the Netherlands, as an assistant professor. Uh, to the uh, chair of the theory of history and historical culture. Um, and actually, it is the same university as where I also uh, wrote my PhD thesis. And uh, well, for your information, the book that we're discussing is the edited version uh, of my PhD thesis. Um, so I'm currently um, uh, working on, well, more general themes related to uh, what we call historical culture, uh, and historical culture uh, is a well, it's a kind of an umbrella concept um, that enables us to study the various ways in which people uh, deal with the past and relate uh, to the past. Um, and that is kind of the um, the uh, the overarching concept that uh, that ties my uh, my research uh, to each other. I'm now uh, moving into an uh, a research project about historical reenactment. Um, in the present. So something entirely different, you would say, but not uh, exactly in the sense that it's also about how people deal with the past. And uh, in the book, The Rhythm of Eternity, I studied exactly that. But then um, in uh, the German youth movement um, in uh, the um, well-late um, uh, um, Wilhelmine Empire and the Weimar
0: uh, the Republic. Interesting. So, how did you, out of that background, come to write The Rhythm of Eternity? What brought you to this question?
1: Uh, when I was still a student, I, I wrote my um, my master's thesis on the topic of uh, generational theory and its implications uh, for historiography. Uh, and one of the main uh, texts that I read was uh, uh, by the uh, sociologist Karl Mannheim. Uh, and Mannheim wrote uh, an important essay about uh, the, the problem of generations, as it's called, And, well, this is a bit old-fashioned in terms of theory, uh, um, uh, but uh, nonetheless very relevant um, for social theory and I think also uh, for social history. But one uh, thing that struck me was uh, that he was very much inspired uh, by the German youth movement in this essay. So the German youth movement actually was kind of The well, the idea that he had in mind of what a generation uh, would look like, and especially a generation unit in his terminology. So this is how I actually got acquainted with the German youth movement uh, without really knowing much about that youth movement. Um, uh, When I started to um, to work on my PhD thesis, I thought, well, I, I wanted to well to study historical culture and especially conceptions of history and time. Uh, and the question then obviously pops up, uh, well, what will your uh, case be? And, uh, well, I, I thought of the um, uh, this idea of German youth movement uh, from uh, uh, Mannheim's work. Um, so without really knowing much about it, I ventured into this territory and found that uh, it was actually very widely uh, researched topic already, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily in the... Um, in uh, the Anglophone world, but especially in Germany, where uh, many historians have already engaged with this topic. But, well, the, uh, the question about their conceptions of history and time and their relationship to the past wasn't really that much uh, researched by the time. So um, this is how I ventured into this project and, uh, and actually thought it, it might be a feasible topic.
0: So as you lay out in the argument of the book, You're looking at the ways that conceptions of history within the German youth movement changed. And really, that change is in many ways rejecting previous conceptions of historical thought. What was the conception of history that the youth movement was rejecting? And where did it come from?
1: Uh, Well, the the conception of history that they were rejecting, well, not necessarily rejecting, especially not in the first phase or, or before the First World War bit but more after uh, well the the idea that they were rejecting is um, is, is the well, the modern idea of, of, of um, history as some kind of process um, that moves towards a greater uh, progress um, so it is this this idea of, of, of modern history well this modern idea of history I would say uh, that we um, that we have come to know in the course of the 19th century uh, um, this, this idea that history is a process that is carried not by some kind of divine force, but by um, uh, well human agency itself. We as humans are, are responsible for our own actions and capable also of shaping history as such. Um, so these are the, um, the, the ideas that uh, they kind of all started to feel uneasy with um, and um, eventually also challenged. Um, So in a larger sense, you could say, and it has often been said, that what this youth movement challenged was the idea of uh, modernity. Uh, And many historians have actually argued that this youth movement was anti-modern in essence, uh, that they wanted to reject modernity and that they, they, um, well, tried to replace modernity with some kind of romantic longing for a bucolic German past. Mm-hmm. Um this is the uh, well the, the kind of romanticist argument for um, well a longing back towards some earlier periods in history that were then um treated as some kind of founding myth of original german essence well you can immediately uh, recognize where this uh, this argument is coming from but um i wanted to well to take a step back um at this question uh, for uh, one actually very simple reason uh, and that is that um, this uh, understanding of the German youth movement as an anti-modern movement uh, already itself implied a certain notion uh, of history or a conception of history um, and this, that is something I find quite quite uh, problematic uh, because the logic of understanding a movement like this uh, in terms of being anti-modern thus, Longing back to some kind of well, supposedly authentic past um, can only be thought on the basis of exactly this modern conception of history. Mm. Um, so I thought, well, perhaps this interpretation is more the result of our own logic of historical thinking rather than um, the the result uh, of a proper analysis of what um, all the, these young people back then actually thought. Uh, so this is why I started to to bracket this uh, this idea and and didn't really want to. Pursue this path, and then study actually the the extent to which uh, they really lived up to my own expectations that they were romanticists. But I took a step back and uh, first of all tried to establish uh, an idea of what actually their conceptions of history were before uh, analysing their particular relationships uh, to the past. So that this is um, the uh, the general argument you could say. Uh, or uh, about the um, the idea of history and also the fact that it's um, it has, um, well, taken such a prominent place in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, I think, um, also made it possible to open my eyes um, for things that I didn't really expect uh, to see uh, beforehand. For example, the, the relevance of the concept of eternity, which is also in the title of my book. We are... Well, as historians we we do not really think about uh, eternity as some kind of valid um temporality uh we we rule it out because history is about past present, and future and the relationship between these uh these three times um but um well what 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 struck me very much was that um in the course of this movement uh trying to venture beyond um well this modern historical consciousness. They actually started to use this concept of eternity and and reinvent it, uh, not really in a classical theological sense of the world, but more in a uh, phenomenological way, you could say.
0: Hmm.
1: So this, so so this is uh, is what what got me going in terms of uh, the idea of of history and time, uh, and and this is um, also how I try to understand uh, the relationship between this movement. Um, and uh, the modernity, you could say, or the, or the, the type of historical thinking that they uh, try, uh, well try to
0: challenge. Well, you start with the origins of the two most important youth associations and how they thought about historical culture in Imperial Germany. Really, you're starting at the leadership level. Yeah. I suppose the question is, where does the youth movement come from? And how did the history that they were learning in school or national remembrance ceremonies shape that development?
1: Yeah, well, they originated in the early um, uh, 1900s, or well, actually, already at the late, uh, the very late uh, 19th century, um, in a well a suburb of Berlin, uh, and in the suburb there was a, a school, um, a, a grammar school where the teacher, uh, well, used to tell a lot of stories about his own hiking trips during the, uh, the vacations. And, well, so um, the students challenged him to take them on a hiking trip, and, uh, and this actually is what got the youth movement going. Uh, it's, it, it was quite a success, especially among the urban youths uh, who weren't really used to going out into, uh, well, in the, into, into nature or into uh, the, uh, the countryside. Uh, but what I think was added, what added value to this was that it was also a possibility for them to escape, the, well, the, uh, the their parents to a certain extent, because uh, Germany was quite uh, strict, organized uh, in the, um, in the uh wilhelmine Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was also a possibility for them to be young amongst each other. Um, um, and it, it proved to be quite a successful concept. Uh, so the um, well made it into a, an association called uh, Wandervogel or Migrationary Bird. Um, and uh, this is, well, the idea of, of the Wandervogel that uh, spread across Germany as uh, the pupils from this particular uh, Berlin school uh, went to university uh, and at, at other cities, they, they well, it kind of spread naturally um, across the country. And it became a model, uh, you could say, for a type of youth association that uh, that Germany really didn't have uh, up to that point of time, namely a youth association that was um, not just for youth, but also governed by youth and led by youth. Um, and this proved to be a very um, relevant concept and popular as well. Um, so as it slowly spread across Germany, um, uh, what was a foundational moment and also very iconic uh, it, uh, um, up till this very day uh, was the um, the moment when the centennial for the Battle of the Nations uh, and well the battle was fought in 1813, so the centennial was in 1913, um, was was organized in Germany, um, and this was also this coincided with the moment at which the youth movement was was um, well um, organizing itself more uh, properly um also at not not necessarily at secondary schools but also at universities um and they they well they they wanted to define themselves in their own position in german society more rather than just hiking uh, around so this coincided and it um i also start with this um this moment uh when they organized um uh, this um this this meeting on a um uh, uh, on a hill in um in uh, uh, Thuringen, um, at approximately at the moment, um, same moment that when uh, in uh, the city of Leipzig, the great monument to the Battle of Nations was uncovered. Now, this um, this episode uh, covers a lot of the uh, historical culture of the Weimar Republic. Sorry, of the uh, the Wilhelmine Empire. Um, first of all, the uh, monument for the Battle of Nations uh, was privately funded. Uh, and wasn't really that supported by the emperor himself the emperor namely uh, had a more prussian view on german history and, uh, and 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 well interpreted the german past as having some kind of um, well deterministic uh, essence in, sen- in the sense that um, um, it was eventually up to prussian leadership uh, that uh, the German Empire was, um, was established. Uh, so it was more a kind of a, a dynastic approach to German history that didn't really uh, live up to the uh, expectations of the liberal middle classes. And their ideas on, uh, on national identity were expressed in this, well, um, monu- monument to the Battle of the Nations. Uh, but the youth movement at the time didn't really feel at home in either of these uh, interpretations um and uh, the main reason for that was um, um also the very fact that they were uh, youth and they uh, that they started to see themselves in terms of being young at the time as well um so uh, as i said this was the moment uh, le- around 1913 when this this movement was uh, being uh, more and more properly organized uh, and this um went hand in hand with a self definition uh, of what it meant to be um, a, a youth movement um, and this also brought up the question of their relationship for example to tradition uh, now traditionally you would say that the tradition is something that is handed uh, over from generation to generation so they were actually the recipients of this tradition mm-hmm. uh, either from the more official Wilhelmine and my narrative or the more uh, liberal middle class narrative uh, but their ideas uh, were inspired by well the reading of some um, uh, sources from, from German idealism, um, especially the work uh, by uh, Fichte about um, uh, his uh, Addresses to the German Nation. And their uh, reading of these these different uh, sources um brought up the question of how to relate to tradition. And uh, their answer basically was that tradition is not something that is handed over from generation to generation naturally. Uh, but tradition must be incorporated literally in a kind of well literally actually uh, um, um, and every generation has to appropriate this tradition and this process of appropriation also implies a reinterpretation. Um, so these were thoughts that were quite relevant to them because they felt uh, that um, at that time being young being um, um, in school uh, that they were uh, that some kind of national identity was being forced upon them a national identity uh, that they, they that they didn't really have any connection to um, uh, this narrative this imperial narrative uh, for example and uh, they felt that well this 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 narrative is, um, even though we can believe it, it doesn't really we can we can really connect to it. Um, And um, this added up uh, to their their reading of these um, sources from German idealism that also explained that well, what nationhood is? It's some kind of the expression of some kind of spiritual content. And so they came to the conclusion: Well, what German historical culture has to offer Uh, us is a lot of form but uh, uh, little content. Uh, It's kind of an expression of something empty. Um, So they uh, then came up with this notion of, well, experience. Um, We first need to experience Germany um, in a a very bodily way uh, and then come to terms with its own past and define a position in German history and also construct some kind of German identity. Because without this experiential content, uh, it only uh, remains empty form. Uh, so this is um, also well. I think I think this is a very relevant moment to start this book, um, and um, because it can define our relationship uh, to the uh, to define the relationship between this movement uh, and the historical culture of the time.
0: Yeah, and as you go on, you start to get more and more into the the actual reactions of members. The question, I suppose, becomes how the activities of the hiking associations shape their thinking. I, I suppose actually the more appropriate word may be experience of their heritage. Right, yeah.
1: Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, I, I start the book actually with uh, a reading of the more uh, programmatic manifesto written by the leadership of this movement um, at the moment uh, at which they start to invent themselves as a youth movement. Uh, not just as as a hiking association, um but uh, my analysis or my primary sources were actually hiking reports because as I mentioned, uh the youth movement started off as a hiking association kind of they were kind of backpackers of um, they went out uh, into the um, into the countryside. Uh, They took the train, for example, from from Berlin or another city where they lived. It it were mainly urban youths. Uh, So they took the train uh, to to another part of Germany, uh, went hiking for a day or sometimes for the weekend uh, and uh, went back before school started. And so these were the the, the daily activities that they were engaged in. And that was also what, what brought these youths and what tied these youths together. Um, so my the sources that I wanted to analyze were not primarily these these manifestos but more the uh, the, the, the sources that um, reflected their daily activities uh, because I think that they, can give us some more insight and better insight also in how the, the, the movement in general uh, reflected upon on German history rather than uh, just what the, the leadership thought, uh, how they should reflect on history. Um, so, um, indeed, my, my main sources were hiking reports, and uh, they proved to be very valuable uh, in terms of offering uh, insights that uh, you wouldn't find in other, um, well pieces of historiography about this particular movement. Um, and the, well, as I mentioned, the notion of experience was something that, um, and the importance of that notion was something that came to mind uh, when reading uh, these tra- well hiking reports. They were all about experience. Uh, they, they, they were looking for, as they called it, erlebnis. Now, in Germany, the concept of experience can be, um, uh, well, translated in two ways. Either you have the concept of uh, erfahrung, mm-hmm. Which has more a cognitive uh, connotation to it, uh, or the concept of Erlebnis. And Erlebnis has more a phenomenological or a bodily connotation to it. Uh, And what they were looking for was Erlebnis. So they wanted to to, to experience uh, the German countryside and experience nature uh, together. uh, and, um, and, And they were actually looking for these kinds of experiences. And think about, for example, Sitting uh, together around a campfire, singing folk songs, uh, or venturing into some kind of uh, forgotten ru- ruin somewhere uh, on a hilltop and spending the night there. These were, um, well, erlebnisse as they called it, because they, well, they were um, events that uh, that 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 they believed that really stuck and shaped their personality, uh, and were not just well they 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 didn't regard themselves as tourists uh, as as just visiting such a site um, um uh, for the sake of having been there uh, they they wanted to well to to have this kind of experience and they were also very disappointed whenever they went out for a hike and they didn't have any experience at all when when there were no memories that really stuck or no no experiences that really stood out um so so it was all about experience and i I I was able to connect this notion of experience uh, to the ideas I just spoke about, uh, especially their uh, their tendency to to German idealism. So they connected this concept of experience, which is all over these these hiking reports, to the larger uh, theories. And the idea was that the educational value of this this youth movement uh, could be that uh, when young people um, go... Um, uh hiking uh, and they they, they well that they they experience all kinds of, of 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 connections of 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 friendship of a, a sense of community uh, they experience the german past or they experience nature that these are all experiences that that shape their personality uh, and a personality in that sense uh was the goal you could say um of the pre war uh, german youth movement um it was all about well establishing a personality and that um with that they primarily meant um establishing um some kind of disposition um in which uh, they were able to act uh, on their own behalf and uh, on their own premises rather than acting because somebody else wants them to act in a certain way um and this is also where the 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 notion of führer actually Comes from in as it was used in the German youth movement. So the Führer was actually the leader of the hike, uh, and he, he was perceived to have a personality in the sense that uh, his example um, could inspire others um, to uh, to well to critical thinking, critical judgment, uh, and also to um, to be um, self-aware and um, well quite. Uh, certain of their of, of themselves you could say. So there was a connection between the 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 ped, well, more pedagogical um imagination of the youth movement and the actual hikes and the importance of this notion uh, of experience. And well as my uh, my book is uh, about their perceptions of the past and of history um you c- you can understand that this 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 notion of experience was also of prime importance uh, for them. Um, because they thought, well, the past is something that you can approach cognitively, as we do in school, through reading books, but then it remains some kind of empty knowledge. Um, reading something um, doesn't really, well, bring it to mind in a lively way. Um, it is, you need to have been there, you need to have, have had some kind of experience of the contents you've read, otherwise um, it, it remains just empty knowledge. Um, so the uh, the, the uh drive to experience the past was was very urgent um and I think that this is um well actually this is this is my main conclusion uh, about uh, the way the pre war uh youth movement related to to the past namely they challenge not not yet the uh, the entire notion of modern history as such uh but mainly the way or the mode uh, in which uh, society needs to approach history. So they challenged the more cognitive approaches to history um, and said, well, um, well, prior to cognition, you have this idea of experience, of having been there, and that creates um, um, a social bond, uh, and, and and it comes prior to any cognitive reflection. Um, so they didn't really challenge the entire idea of history as such. They still Perceived history to be some kind of process, um, but uh, and they still perceive the past to be essentially different from the present, uh, but they challenged the way in which society needed to relate to that particular past. So this is where the, uh, the, the notion of experience became important in terms of their uh, relationship uh, to the German past.
0: So uh, a lot of historians point toward the First World War as this defining moment in in generational development. And I absolutely devoured this part of the book. You're in dialogue with a lot of ideas that are the subject of debate right now. This, particularly with this idea of generational confrontation and the longing for folk community. But my question for you is, how did the First World War shape the German youth movement?
1: Well, there's much quite defining actually. Um, um, one of the well, actually, um, the defining moment, you could say, uh, was the, um, the experience of August 1914. And this is a very pivotal moment in, in German history. Uh, they, they call it Das Augusterlebnis. Uh, so the experience of, of the start of the First World War um, uh, at which, well, the German people were united uh, and, and all kinds of social divisions temporarily faded away as they now were united um, uh, as a nation, and confronted um, um, an external enemy. Um, so, well, this is um, a moment that has often been well. It, it's, it's, today, we, there is the tendency to to deconstruct this as a myth. Um, but I think uh, there is are essentially some truth uh, to it in terms of the German youth of the importance of this experience for the German youth movement. It actually was a myth uh, for the German youth movement, but not in the terms that we understand myth, but perhaps more in the Greek sense of the word. Uh, it was a moment that that conveyed some kind of of truth, uh, rather than um, a moment that uh, that that kind of well deluded an entire nation. Um, so what I, what, I, what I mean with that is that uh, up to the start of the First World War. This notion of experience was very important uh, for the youth movement as such on their hiking trips um and uh, they um well they, they tried to connect to the german past especially the um the uh, more rural past uh, they were very into folklore folk songs etc um through experience but um the start of the first world war they and especially this experience this is also um, uh, explained in terms of erlebnis not um, erfahrung this erlebnis of of uh, august 1914 actually gave them something to think about because something very peculiar happened the youth movement was quite it was challenging official uh, nationalism and the patriotism of the uh, of the uh, of the german uh, empire Because It was challenging, uh, this patriotism, because they found it to be, well, very empty uh, in essence. It it was a patriotism of the word. Uh, They called it a beer hole patriotism, a patriotism of people that are uh, very proud of themselves and the nation when they're entirely drunk, but uh, they, they don't really live up to that in daily life. And what was striking for them is that uh, in august nineteen fourteen when the war started, you would expect these kinds of youth movements to oppose the war. Uh, some actually did uh, but um, that wasn't the general tendency they they uh, somehow embraced it, even though they were very anti nationalistic up to that moment. The reason why they embraced it is because this very experience of august nineteen fourteen um, gave them the feeling, uh, that the, that, um, now finally this experience of, of what it meant to be German had arrived. Whereas prior to that moment, German nationalism, uh, was well despised as a nationalism of the word, empty rhetoric as, a, as some kind of, actually invented identity that was put on uh, uh, projected onto the people uh, they now had the idea that there was some kind of internal essence some internal bond uh, that made it possible to come up with a nationalism that is the expression of this experience rather than there, that there is some kind of, um, uh, of of cognitive notion of identity well forced upon people so so this is why the German youth movement actually uh, uh, kind of embraced. This experience of August 1914, um, and also why the beginning um, of the, the 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 First World War uh, actually looked quite promising to them, because it it made them it it enabled them um to what we well, have some hopeful uh, thoughts about the the German future, uh, because now they found that that finally this notion of nationhood uh, has been embodied. But the, the war, well, uh, even though it, it started quite good from a German perspective, um, um, by 1916, you see a turning point. Uh, the, the war had, uh, uh, well, the optimism had, 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 had well, uh, kind of faded away um, as the, the war was stalled in the trenches at the Western Front. And um, had also for, for the soldiers, many young people from the youth movement volunteered. Went to the front. They actually uh, maintained some kind of organizational structure um, um, at the front, uh, very um, well in a very uh, well basic way. But they were able to communicate and even um, even make hikes uh, when they were uh, uh, not on duty uh, behind the behind the front lines, um, at least um, uh, for example through through Flanders. But 1960 was kind of a, of a turning point because also the, the the young people at the front they they started to hear stories about war profiteers and 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 all these kinds of stories that it generated the idea that nothing actually had changed um, and that the that optimistic feeling of a new germany having finally arrived that they had at the beginning of the war uh, well it it was uh, um, not re- it, it wasn't uh, capable of sustaining itself and real, uh, realizing its full potential so this is the moment when they uh, started to think uh, about uh, well change and about what a new germany should look like but also uh, what should constitute a new germany after the war and uh, this is the moment, uh, so in the, 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 the last years of the First World War and the first years after the First World War, uh, when this, this notion of eternity becomes very important. Um, so whereas prior to the, the First World War, they were not really challenging uh, the modern idea of uh, history, um, but only the, 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 well, the, the mode, so to say, of attaining the path, they now started to think... The following question, well, um, if you want to establish a new Germany after the war and we want to avoid the same pitfalls um, that we have seen uh, so far, if you want to establish a truly new society, then what you also need to do is not just change the way um, you kind of fill in this ideal society, but you also need to change the very fundamentals um of your conception of history, you need to revise the way you think about the the preconditions for establishing a new society. so they started to challenge um, not just the way uh, to approach the past but also the very constitution of um, modern historical consciousness itself, um, so the idea, for example, that the past is something essentially different from the present, uh, and the idea that what carries history is human action uh, so these um, these things were were challenged increasingly it had to do partly i think uh, with a, a kind of a re spiritualization um during the war. Uh, being uh, confronted with all kinds of atrocities uh, and with death in general, this uh, spurred some kind of, of, of re-spiritualization. Um, and and this was a, a longing for a, a new kind of religiosity, as I called it. This wasn't a, a strictly uh, formal religion that they were seeking. But more a well a religiosity. Um, they they also had read Nietzsche, for example. They they uh, especially the the students among them. Um, they knew the the disadvantage and the problems, for example, uh, related to the idea uh, of um, some kind of um, um, God uh, directing human action. Uh, so they wanted to do away or not 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 well, not moving to that uh, direction. Uh, so what they did is uh, read a lot of sources, many sources that, that kind of related, um, that they could relate to uh, um, medieval, uh, medieval mysticism, for example. Meister Eckhart, they read Meister Eckhart. They read mm-hmm. um, um, the Vedic uh, works from... Um, from Hinduism, uh, they, they read Buddhist sources, all kinds of, 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 of spiritual sources that uh, somehow provided them with some spirituality that, that didn't um, have some notion of a metaphysical God, perhaps, well, which with which. which it, it was p- pantheistic, you could say it. It was pantheistic in a sense um, that there was no transcendent God, but but the 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 but the idea of 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 spirit or um, of of God was was basically everywhere. It was in this world, um, and that salvation didn't have to come from some kind of other dimension, but salvation was also um, had to come from our own world, the world we live in, and that is also how they could connect or still uh, use the concept of erlateness, obviously. Uh, so now after the war, this notion of erlateness started to reflect to an experience, not necessarily of the past, but of some kind of eternal essence embedded in the uh, the heritage sites, for example, they visit. So now uh, it was all about experiencing eternity. And this, etern- this notion of eternity um, is uh, something that you see reflected uh, or, the, or something they saw reflected, for example, in, uh, in, in, in these, these hikes. Uh, the idea of community was also becoming more and more important and community was also imagined uh, as something that had to be founded upon some bond uh, that people shared. It was not just uh, temporal, that wouldn't fade away, but it was uh, something that, that, that was everlasting. It was, was eternal in a certain sense. And it sounds very vague uh, and and, uh, and it's it's certainly very vague when you read the sources because it's very difficult to even try to comprehend things that these young people hardly comprehended themselves um but the reason why they they use these concepts um, is that they felt a connection to their actual well experiences that they had uh, during these hikes um, m- moments when they they see a campfire for example or or uh, when they they were well, owing the grandeur, uh, the grandeur of, uh, of of a medieval cathedral, um, they saw some kind of they saw these um, no longer these, for example, medieval cathedrals no longer as um, some historic artifacts that belonged to a distant past that they had to appropriate through experience, as they would have done before the war, but now the experience was actually uh, an entry into the, the eternal essence that was embodied uh, in this uh, medieval cathedral. At least this is the way they interpreted it. Um, so especially the notion of the Gothic and the cathedral uh, was kind of um, well emblematic for their idea of eternity. Because medieval cathedrals, they, they weren't built just uh, for any particular uh, temporary use. They were obviously um, in use as places of worship, but they were built for eternity. Um, and the communities that built these cathedrals were also committed um, um to uh well uh, eternity in a certain sense, and so they wanted to have the same kind of commitment to eternity and they started to think about uh well, how can we realize uh a Germany that is not uh prone to uh well uh things that just fade away uh, uh, things that are um, things like capitalism, uh, something that, well, it, 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 it focuses only on the, the, the pleasures, um, and, and the joy of, uh, on short-term pleasures, you could say it. Um, but they wanted to go beyond it, um, and see, and seek some kind of eternal truths. So it is, it was very vague. It is very vague for us to understand, but it was also very vague for them. They just, it was a moment in German history, uh, this is very important to imagine. A moment in German history when uh, everything that had been certain uh, was cert- uh, at one moment uh, certainly uh, lost. The after the war, uh, w- when you have the uh, well, the, the communists um, um, in certain parts of Germany uh, in power, uh, you have um, uh, the beginning of the 1920s, hyperinflation, the middle classes lose their um, um, they, they lose their um, uh, their money and 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 uh, the entire um, social structure of Wilhelm, of the Wilhelmine Empire uh, crumbles. Um, so this it, it was also a, a moment in which um, it well history could move in every direction possible. Um, so so um this this thinking in terms of um, and eternity could also be seen as, um, as an urge to overcome this, this uncertainty of, of, history moving in every direction. Uh, but it also resulted in a lot of issues. Um, uh, because, well, um, if you have some kind of, well, uh, Kiliastic belief that a new Germany could, could arrive at every moment, um, then the question obviously is, and if you, uh, also, Uh, want to move away from this notion of human agency so embedded in in modern historical consciousness, then the question rises, uh, well, what actually should you do as a youth movement? Can we even as a youth movement contribute to this new kind of Germany or should we await it passively? Uh, So these were discussions that were very relevant uh, uh, back back then, back in the time. Well, it um, it, it was a turning point, the, the, the opening of all kinds of new possibilities with an eye on the future, uh, but uh, one thing is very certain is that by 1919, uh, the youth movement uh, started to um, historicize uh, the entire notion of, of um, historicism or of modern historical consciousness itself. They regarded this modern understanding of history to be part of the past itself. Um, so they really had the idea to be living in a new era. Uh, that was not just a new era because um, history had advanced in some kind of new level of of, of, of progress, uh, but in a new era because um, um, they were able to imagine the world in a fundamentally different way uh, than
0: prior to death. You sort of already pointed towards this in a way that the spiritualization of the movement during the war and the eschatological or this apocalyptic strain of thinking that carries over in the, in the way that they start thinking about history and the possibilities that Weimar opens. I'm just sitting here nodding my head along with you, right? But at that point after the war, you point out that the, the youth movement more or less disappears for a short period of time uh, in the extreme instability until, as you put it, the, the Bundische Jugend rise from the ashes of the Vondervogel. And when they're looking at these possibilities for the future, they start to turn to the Middle Ages for inspiration. Why the Middle Ages? What what does this period of history represent to them?
1: Well, well first of all, the, the youth movement didn't really disappear at the beginning of the uh, of the uh, 1920s. Uh, what you see is that the organizational structure kind of crumbles. Um, so there were still many hiking uh, uh, hi- many hikes going on, but uh, the on the, on the organizational level, um, it kind of crumbled. All which also had to do with the fact, obviously, that um, um, many of the uh, uh, people that made up the leadership of the, um, of the movement didn't re- return from the front. Um, so there was an organi- organizational issue. The, the youth movement didn't really fade away. Um, they were still present, but they were less well-organized and in that sense also less vis- uh, vi- uh, visible. Um, but as you mentioned, uh, you've got a new um, well, source of inspiration coming in the, uh, in the 1920s from the uh, Boy Scout movement um and uh, which in germany uh had um well also moved a bit into the direction of the um of the uh, the wandervogel movement
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so these two at least um, um some um, of the um well, parts of the, the the boy scout movement that split up from their uh, original organization uh, wanted to be more like the wandervogel in the sense that uh, they wanted to do away with the more rigid top down structures uh, of the Boy Scout movement and also the fact that obviously the Boy Scout movement was an adult-led movement with um sometimes political aspirations. Um so these these rogue uh Boy Scouts and the Wandervogel Vogel met um and um the what well, the Boy uh, this this Scouting movement um opened up was a new some kind of new uh language uh, for the youth movement. Uh, a language that they had hitherto not really used um in their uh hiking reports or in, in other publications uh and that was well uh, they, they used to have this language of experience um but now the uh, um the well the imagination from the boy scout movement also brought with it uh, for example the um um well this this as you mentioned primacy of the middle ages um um and well, the, the youth movement, the Wandervogel movement, um, tended more to the uh, um, well to the to to the history of rural Germany rather than to uh, uh, to the Middle Ages. But now suddenly this became of of um, well a, a very valuable source of historical imagination. Uh, that was appropriated. Uh, that was also vented out. And uh, as I mentioned before. Uh, for example, trips to the medieval cathedrals became very um, uh, important. But also some um, movements in the, in the youth movement itself started to imagine um, themselves in medieval terms. They called themselves knights, for example, or um and, uh, and, and started to imagine uh, their, the movement itself um, in, in, in medieval terms. Now, it's important... Um, to understand this reference to the Middle Ages not as a historical reference. So it's not that, that they um, they wanted to go back to the Middle Ages. They certainly idealized it, but with another purpose. The purpose of, of this idealization was not uh, nostalgic in, a certain, in, in in that respect. It was um, the Middle Ages were idealized because it, it opened up possibilities um, for the German future. Uh, And that sounds a bit contradicting, uh, but it has to do with the very uh, notion of eternity embedded, or at least what they saw uh, being uh, embedded uh, in um, in, in the Middle Ages, for example, in these cathedrals, but also in the figure uh, of the medieval knight. Um, And and this idea of knighthood uh, certainly came uh, from uh, from the Boy Scout movement. Um, So uh, these were... Well, references that 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 well brought new uh, ideas and also new vocabulary to the uh, uh, German youth movement, uh, which was uh, very convenient for them because uh, because they were um, especially uh, at that moment, let's say, the mid 1920s, exploring these possibilities. Uh, because imagine um, what happened after the war. What you see first in the first in, uh, years directly after the war, there you have this kind of uh, killestic movement or or some kind of eschatological uh, well expectation mm-hmm. um, and uh, this this expressed itself um, in terms of um, the youth movement feeling that they had some kind of well, avant-garde position in which they were the uh, the carriers of a new Germany. So they went, for example, I uh, just um, described one of the, these the movements called the Neue Schaar. Uh, they, they went out um, doing their uh, organized hikes, uh, but now really engaged with the public and the audience and and, and, and created well, mass uh, folk dance events, for example, in uh, in German towns, um, that, that, that really got some kind of kiliastic feeling to it because everybody danced together uh, on these tunes. And, 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 and they really felt, not just these people from the youth movement, but there are, well, there are very rich sources about it, uh, um, that the people from these towns themselves really felt that a new time was coming. Uh, but as always the case with uh, with eschatology, uh, whenever this uh, new uh, new era doesn't really break out immediately, uh, you have to um, um, kind of put it in the distant future. Um, so this is also why the why the, um, uh, the this new language uh, of uh, of medieval references proved to be very useful for the youth movement, uh, because they now were able to speak about um, their expectations in more general terms. Um, as um, um, And by imagining themselves to be, for example, knights, um, and they, even though they knew that some kind of new Germany was not yet there, um, they kind of um, simulated it, you could say, to a certain extent.
0: As we move out of this period in the late Weimar Republic and begin to approach 1933, the Bundese Jugend, increasingly turn abroad in their in their hiking activities, which you say fuels these utopian expectations for the future. How so?
1: Well, um, first of all, uh, this was something that was uh, was made made possible also by the economic prosperity that um, uh, of the later nineteen twenties. Um, then, so did they, they, they went um further abroad, uh, not only because of that, but also I think because of the fact that they were increasingly well organized during because of this merger with the um the Boy Scout movement in the in the Brünnische Jugend as they were now called. Um, so they went went further abroad and um, um one thing that is very important is that uh whatever lied, uh, lies beyond the German border for them at that point um was something that was Somehow unknown as well. Uh, think about the geographical imagination um, of the average German um, in the um, uh, during the uh, the Wilhelmine era. Um, you have these large empires that cover the uh, 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 that cover Central Europe. After the First World War, um, you've got all these these new nations popping up, um, which which creates uh, entirely new uh, spatial. Uh, imagination and, and also things to explore um, so this is what they um, also ventured out to do they they went abroad because um, now there wasn't no no just some kind of vague austro-hungarian Empire or Russian Empire there were all sorts of, 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 of new nations with with different peoples uh, that they were capable of imagining now uh, present there Um so this is a a moment also of increased international cooperation. Uh, they 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 got connection with other uh, scouting movements, for example, in uh, in Hungary or uh, in uh, in Romania, uh, and they, they venture there uh, on invitation uh, and uh, and the other way around. Um, but they also um, do it with a new. Uh, kind of um, well, a temporal with his new temporal orientation in mind. Um, so the um, um, what what is very interesting. What I found very interesting um, is that uh, what you see is that the so so to say the temporal uh, projection of this new Germany in the future didn't really work out in the early 1920s. You could say that they now specialised this ideal of a new German future in the sense that they projected it uh, on uh, foreign territories, um, and and with this perspective they ventured, for example, to um, to Eastern Europe. They saw it as the uh, the destiny, as they called it, of Germany. Um, now I I'm quite aware of the fact that this notion of destiny in relationship to Eastern Europe. Creates all kinds of uh, of associations with uh, uh, with Nazism, um, and they well they are partly correct but not entirely in the sense that um, um, what their intentions were in the late nineteen twenties in general uh, were first of all uh, the exploration of Germans that have uh, been living uh, in Eastern Europe for many generations already and that they were now just uncovering. Uh, they uh, they they tried to. To, they ventured to these German um, uh, communities and, and they, they felt um, or they expected to find communities that were um, somehow, um, well, the um, harboring some of the um, characteristics of some kind of German essence. Um, um, in a certain sense, they were more authentic or interpreted as being more authentic Uh, because they hadn't um, gone through the type of modernity uh, Germany uh, itself has went through. Uh, But they were also seen as, um, well, related to Germany's destiny, because they also required some help. Um, There were uh, some uh, Eastern European nations uh, quite... um, Uh, strong uh, nationalization policies uh, by the new uh, national governments uh, put in place. So it was uh, an attempt to, well, to to get to know these people, uh, to understand them, and through understanding them, also trying to understand yourself, um, and also map them. Um, So they they actually did some scientific research, some uh, some people and uh, some, some of these youth groups were actually uh, contacted by uh, ethnologists, uh, for example, from German universities uh, to carry out some uh, some fieldwork for them. Um, but they also uh, went to other uh, destinations, for example, uh, Greece. Um, it's also very interesting. Uh, well, they were now capable of moving uh, further and further away. Uh, and they also interpreted Greece um, not as a foreign country or an alien country, but also as a country of, of, of German origin. And that is very um, strange in a certain sense, uh, because it defies our, uh, modern understanding of history. How can, uh, Greece be part of German origin? But in a more uh, general sense, um, it, it, it does, uh, ring a bell, obviously, um, because, uh, not only, um, do they stand, these young people, they, do they stand in the longer tradition of, uh, of Phil Hellenism that was prominent in Germany, uh, from the, uh, 1800s onwards. Sorry, 1700s onwards. Uh, but I also imagine um, um, Greek in that way to be part uh, of, um, uh, of the defining essences of, of German thought and of German culture um uh and well oh, if you read these uh these travelogues um uh, which uh, were now increasingly also published for an audience uh you see that they they write it, uh these 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 new engagement with foreign territories and interpret them um as um as as engagement with uh german origin uh, so they tried. To spatialize, you could say, or I would say, um, this this, um, eschatology that didn't really work out. They they now spatialized it and uh, and saw this engagement with what it actually meant to be German, with this kind of German essence or German origin. Um, uh, They they found
0: it abroad. Hmm. Well, we've taken up a lot of your time. But before we go, what are you working on now?
1: Well, I'm still working on uh, on the uh, topic of these conceptions of history, um, and um, but on a very different, uh, uh, very different um, subject. Um, so I'm, I'm still working on the on the conservative revolution and on the on, on why my history. But um, we now got a project funded about historical reenactments, um, which is in the present, by the way, uh, which is something entirely different. You would say. Um, but not really, because it uh, we approach it from uh, the perspective of historical culture, so the same perspective I used in the Rhythm of Eternity, um, which is an umbrella concept for the study uh, of uh, the relationship between uh, um, uh, societies and their pasts. Um, and what 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 I look at is uh, well, um, not not just at the uh, the performance, so to say, of the past. Uh, but uh, what I'm interested in is, in, is um, also um, the the assumption, so to say, of what constitutes history uh, in these kinds of, uh, of um, um, well, um, um, examples from historical culture. Uh, so I'm going to work on uh, this project is starting uh, in April. Uh, I'm going to work on historical reenactment. Uh, and currently I'm also working on... Uh, um, on um, the representation of the past uh, on Instagram, also a very contemporary topic, ah. um, which uh, you may not find a, historical sh- a historian suited to, to research, but I think uh, we are very capable of doing this and also adding some uh, some new insights to it, especially because of this perspective of historical culture. And one of the, the things that really tie my, my, my book to my current research, I think, um, is the idea that... Um, we tend to approach uh, our relationships to the past always in narrative form, uh, in the sense that uh, um, well, um, um, the, the past as such is, is 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 unattainable, but we bridge it through narrative, through through talking about the past and and, and writing about it. Um, uh, but what I found intriguing in my uh, my research about the German youth movement was that um, perhaps. Um, it might not really be the case that attaining the past is only capable uh, in a narrative or a cognitive way. Um, perhaps we should also take the notion of experience into account. And uh, in that sense, I'm really connecting to uh, a, a com- well more uh, a recent uh, theorists um, uh, like uh, Frank Ankersmith, who also wrote, wrote about uh, historical experience. Um, so I think this is something we should... Um, should explore um, and I, I I did this in my book the rhythm of eternity uh, I focused on uh, well the the ways uh, these young people uh, tried to experience the past and make sense of the past in terms of experience um, and i'm uh, I, t- I intend to study uh, historical reenactment from the same perspective so not do away with these um, uh, historical reenactments because they do not uh, these, these people that reenact do not really live up to our expectations of what a proper dealing with history should look like, uh, but see it how they do it themselves and, 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 and analyze the terms and also the temporalities they use uh, in order to, um, to make their actions meaningful.
0: Well, it sounds fascinating. I hope to have you back once the time comes.
1: Yeah, well, uh, um, um, let's see. And I'm surely uh, looking forward to it.
0: Thanks very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, that does it for us here at the New Books Network. Once again, we've been speaking to Robert Jan Adriensen about The Rhythm of Eternity, the German Youth Movement, and the Experience of the Past, 1900 to 1933. It's available from Berghahn Books, published 2015. And if you think you might be interested in picking up a copy, consider using the link in the blog post. It'll help Robert Jan out, and it'll help us out here at the New Books Network. On that note... The new books network is a nonprofit organization made up of volunteers like myself who believe in the importance of sharing the latest research with as many members of the public as possible. That's enough to justify my time, but if you agree with our mission and you think you get something out of what you hear, please consider donating your contributions are tax deductible and you can find a link on the new books network website with that. I'd like to thank you for joining us and wish you a Merry Christmas and some happy holidays. Drive safe and hope to see you next time until then.